My name is Chris Bergwald. I am the Director of Evangelization and Catechesis for the Diocese. Um, and this is, I think, the seventh, eight, seventh or eighth year of the event that's now formally known as Theology on Tap, now known as uh, Feast of Faith. It's one of those trademark registration things that get you into trouble sometimes. So we changed the name this year to Feast of Faith. Now, don't be confused because there are some other presentations going on in, this, in, in, the, in Sioux Falls on the Eucharist because Feast of Faith oftentimes refers to the Eucharist. That's not what this is. This is just the event formerly known as Theology on Tap. Okay? Um, our topic tonight is creation and evolution. And before we get started, I want to begin, as we always should, with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. All things are of your making. All times and seasons obey your laws. But you chose to create man in your own image, setting him over the whole world in all its wonder. You made man the steward of creation, to praise you day by day for the marvels of your wisdom and power, through, Christ, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as always, hopefully you'll, you'll learn a little bit. Hopefully this will be somewhat enjoyable for you. You chose to come here. That's why I love doing adult faith formation. You're here because you want to be, except for a couple of small exceptions. Um, you, you've, you've chosen to come, and, and so hopefully it will be worth your time. And again, our topic tonight is um, creation and evolution. And this is a topic, especially in our country, in fact, predominantly in our country, that's always in the news. Um, sometimes not as much as others, but almost every year you can count on there being something about the creation-evolution debate. Uh, anybody think of anything particular in the last oh, week and a half in the news about creation or evolution? Mary? Isn't there some suggestion that Sarah Palin yes. Uh, Sarah Palin, the, the, the governor of Alaska, is alleged to have wanted to teach creationism, which I'll explain in a minute, in Alaska schools. Of course, in this case, like so many things, it wasn't the truth, but the, the, the whole topic got going again. Uh, these fundamentalist Christian wackos trying to indoctrinate our children. Um, almost every year, there, there's, a, there's a, 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 a court trial um, about teaching evolution or creation uh, in our public schools. Uh, it's always in and, and many, this goes back to the 30s, in fact. The Scopes trial was a, a major trial about uh, creation and evolution. Clarence Darrow and uh, William Jennings Bryant. And it was immortalized in the movie Inherit the Wind, which of course is a fictional account in many ways of the real events. But the point, it, it's made its way into our cultural into our culture, uh, this idea of uh, Bible-thumping Christians against level-headed rational scientists, okay? Uh, so, so there is this debate um, that, that, that we, as I said, has been present, especially probably in the last uh, 20, 30 years or so. However, for, for tonight, one, one thing that hopefully we'll answer, or a question that I'll address, um, hopefully to your satisfaction, is this one. So what? What does this matter to me? Uh, how does this debate affect my life? Does it affect my life? 
Um, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Uh, we will see, hopefully, by the end. Why do I say that at the beginning? Well, because, because of this. The Catholic Church, as you may know, does not hold to the creationism taught by many uh, fundamentalist Christians. And I don't use fundamentalist in a bad way when I'm using it myself. When I'm talking about those fundamentalist wacko Christians, I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking for other people. Uh, when I use fundamentalist myself, I see it as a good thing because many fundamentalist Christians uh, are very close to Catholics. A lot of them work in the trenches with Catholics on the life issues and so on. Here in town, for instance, in Sioux Falls, Christians come together in many ways for all sorts of uh, issues like abortion and so on. So I don't use it negatively in my, in, in, in my own um, when I'm using it myself. Nonetheless, those who are, would be considered fundamentalist Christians hold to creationism. What is creationism? Creationism is the view that, according to the, the Bible, the book of Genesis in particular, uh, the world, the universe, was created 6,000 years ago, approximately 6,000 years ago, in six 24-hour time periods. In other words, uh, some Christians take the first chapter of Genesis literalistically, they, they take it very, very literally, what it says the first day, the second day, the third day, and so on. Um, they, they take that account as literally as possible. Uh, we don't do that. Anybody have any idea why? Right. The sun wasn't created until the fourth day. The sun wasn't created the fourth day. How, we measure our day uh, by the revolution of the earth around the sun. Uh, which would be a little tricky. Of course, God could have just done it in a day, knowing that he'd create in the fourth day. But that's, I mean, that's, that's one thing that's often said. Any other, anybody else know why, why doesn't the Catholic Church to hold to that understanding, that reading of Genesis chapter 1? We would view that reading of Genesis chapter 1 as taking Scripture literally in an inappropriate manner. Why is that? Because we always, it's important always, whenever you're reading the Bible, you need to be attentive to the genre, the type of literature that a particular book is. Uh, you know, there are all sorts of genres, uh, dozens of literary genres. Every piece of written work is a genre of one sort or another. The newspaper uh, when we read the newspaper today, it's giving us usually a, a pretty detailed account of what's gone on in the last 24 hours um, in our corner of the city, state, country, world, whatever. Um, history is a genre. S science is a genre. Parables are a genre. You have all these different kind of genres that are employed by, by a writer. The book of Genesis was not written as a, as a textbook of astronomy or biology. That's not its genre. Its genre is not a scientific textbook. That doesn't mean, I want to be clear on this, that doesn't mean that Genesis doesn't contain facts that pertain to biology and so on, but the overall purpose, the style, the type of literature that Genesis is, is not a biological textbook, not a scientific textbook. Okay? I'll give you a classic example of this idea of genres. Um, you watch the... When you watch the news and, and, and the, the weatherman comes on and he tells you what time sunrise was this morning and what time sunset was at night. Now, how many of you get on the phone and call and say, don't you know the earth revolves around the sun? 
What do you mean sunrise? The sun doesn't rise, the earth rotates. You know what I'm saying? They said sunrise. But do we take that literally? As if the sun literally rose? Do we get up in arms because of our uh, imbecilic weathermen? No. Because we know they're speaking with a particular, um, a, a, a particular way of, of language, a, a style of talking. Uh, take Jesus' parables. Uh, there was no literal, literal prodigal son. It's a parable to communicate a truth. Or another one, the resurrection. There was no resurrection. Okay, I'm, that's not true. <laughs> that, that's not a parable. That, that's, I, I, <laughs> no, some, some theologians might tell you that, but I don't. Uh, the, I, I'd be out of a job pretty quickly, I think, if I really said that. So don't edit this. Don't edit that. I know it can happen with editing people. So you have these different genres. Uh, and this is, the, the scripture's the same way. Remember, the Bible was written over the course of a thousand years 2,000 years ago, two to 3,000 years ago, in a country thousands of miles, practically the other side of the world. You have to be attentive to how people wrote at the time the Bible was written, if you really want to understand what the Bible usually really means. Now, in many cases, the Gospels, the Gospels we know what they say, but some, some parts of the Bible get a little bit trickier, and you really have to pay attention to the, to the genre. And the book of Genesis is one example of that. Now, why, why else wouldn't the Catholic Church hold to the 6,000 years ago, six-day, 24-hour, uh, six 24-hour time periods of creation? Because we, re- this is related to the genre, we recognize the purpose of the creation account. What is, or what's one of the purposes of the creation account? If it's not meant to tell this literal six 24-hour period thing, what is what was Moses trying to say when he or whoever wrote the book, when they wrote it? What, were they, what was the point in writing this creation account if it wasn't to communicate a scientific truth? A lot more interactive this year, the first night out. Yeah. Everybody wants to know where they came from. Everybody wants to know. Sorry, go ahead. Everybody wants a story. Yeah, everybody wants a story where they came from. All, and I'll get to this in a minute. All of the major world religions, religions, all major philosophical systems, even atheistic systems, have what we call creation myths. Myths not in the sense that they're necessarily untrue, but they're just they're stories, they're narratives to explain something. All religions, all major philosophical systems have a creation account to explain where we came from. What was the point, what's the purpose of the biblical creation account. The relationship with God, purpose for God, right. What it, okay, that's a, in both of these are in regard to, to man and woman. What about with regard to the universe, to creation? What's distinctive about the biblical account of, scripture, of, of creation? Anybody know? What does God create the world from? Nothing. We talk about creation ex nihilo, from nothing. This is unique among all the major world religions, all the major philosophical systems. The idea that God created everything literally from nothing. That before God created the universe, it was just him. That there was nothing before. The other, if you think about the, the ancient uh, Greek uh, and, and Roman uh, beliefs in the beginning of creation or, or, or even going to the Middle East, there was always some primordial something, matter, or whatever, from which uh, the gods, 
created the universe. There was something that they could mold into the, ma the matter, that everything that we see around us. Atheists believe the same thing. Atheists believe that matter is eternal, that matter has always been there, and it's just being reshaped throughout the course of time. Carl Sagan had this, this well, famous, infamous line in this regard. Anybody know what he said? Matter is, matter is all that ever is, ever was, and ever shall be. Really a play on the glory be to the Father. Um, so, so, that, so, again, the scriptural account, however, is, is virtually unique. In fact, as, as, as far as I know, it is unique among the major religions. If you take the, uh, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, the three biblical religions, they're the only ones that I know in terms of major systems of belief that hold to this idea of creation from nothing. So as Catholics, we, we believe that the purpose of Genesis 1 with regard to creation is really that God, in his um, almighty power, his sovereignty, created from nothing. He didn't use something that's already there and shape it like we do. That, we don't make anything. We just shape the stuff that's already here. God, though, created from nothing. Uh, which, as, as some scholars have noted, is really hard for us to imagine because we don't know that at all. All we know is really changing things. We don't know creation from nothing, so it's hard for us to imagine. Okay? So, this is, that's our view. That's our, in a nutshell, that's our reading of Genesis. And I want to be clear that I'm not saying that we're unscriptural when we read Scripture that way. Really, we're trying to read Scripture the way we believe it was intended to be read. We're trying to be faithful to what Scripture uh, really says as opposed to rejecting it. And sometimes I think other Christians will, will view our, our, our stance on creation as unbiblical. But really, we're trying to be as faithful to the text as we really can. Okay, and, and really, um, the, the, the creationism account 6,000 years ago... And by the way, Catholics, incidentally, what, the, the Church doesn't say you cannot hold this position. There are some Catholics who hold that position. Now, I, I, you'll usually get a good argument that it doesn't make sense, it's unreasonable, but it's not against our faith. In spite of everything I just said, you can say, well, I believe the genre is this. You're not going to be excommunicated if you believe this. But, but in term, the, the church does really stress that we should be attentive to, uh, to the, the genre and so on, as I was just saying. Uh, Christoph Cardinal Schoenborn. Cardinal Schoenborn um, is... The Cardinal Archbishop of Vienna, Austria, a brilliant man, a holy man. Uh, he was uh, the editor of the Catechism. How many of you have seen the Catechism before? Big fat green book. He edited that thing. Um, Schoenborn is his name. Yep. And I've got a book up. If somebody wants to come get his name, I've got his book up here. If you want to write down his name, um, he uh, again a brilliant man. Uh, very close friends with. Uh, this guy Ratzinger, who you may have heard of as well, he's the Pope. Um, they're, they're both Germans, which is, well, Austrian and German, I should say, which is another good thing in my opinion, but that's another story. Cardinal Schoenborn, uh, a year or so ago, published, or the English translation of a book was published, Chance or Purpose? Cardinal Schoenborn sent, spent, I think, a year of giving reflections in the St. Stephen's Cathedral in Vienna uh, sun, on Sunday nights, he would give a reflection on the theme of creation and evolution um, for a year. And it was published in, in German and then an English translation. And he does refer 
uh, to the, the creationism position. Um, and I just want to read it because, it's, again, trying to make it clear what the, what, the, what the Catholic view generally is as opposed to what some other Christians believe. He says, the Catholic position on creationism is clear. St. Thomas Aquinas says that one should not try to defend the Christian faith with arguments that make it ridiculous because they are an obvious contradiction with reason. And then Cardinal Schoenborn goes on. It is nonsense to maintain that the world is only 6,000 years old. An attempt to prove such a notion scientifically means provoking what St. Thomas calls the mockery of unbelievers. Exposing the faith to mockery with false arguments of this kind is not right. Indeed, it is explicitly to be rejected. Let that be enough on the subject of creationism and fundamentalism. So he's a little bit harsher than I am on the matter, frankly. Uh, but, but that's how he sums up. He, he would argue that it's, it, it, it does the faith no good to try to hold to a position which is unscientific. Okay? So what does that mean then? Um, if, if, if we don't hold to creationism, again, what does this debate, debate matter to us as Catholics or other Christians who hold a similar position to our own? Uh, what's the relevance of this debate between creationists and evolution, those who hold to evolution, if we don't hold the creationism side anyway? Okay, uh, it might be interesting to some people, but not to a lot of people. If it's just, you know, it's just another academic debate, well, great. There are some people who really enjoy these kinds of things, but they're kind of weird. Uh, so what about the rest of us, uh, for whom we just want to live our life and be attentive to the things that really matter to our lives? Is this debate important? Not really. Uh, thanks for your time. Hope you have a good evening. There's more food. No, uh, I, I, that's not really. The first thing we need to do is we need to make some distinctions. Theologians, philosophers will always tell you this. You need to make, a distinct, you may, need to make distinctions. Okay? I, I just said that we as Catholics don't hold to a fundamentalist account of creation. Does that mean that we believe in evolution? I'm seeing some heads shaking no. Anybody going like this? I'm seeing this, <laughs> which is... Yes. yes, with some restrictions. Oh, you're making distinctions. Yes, you, yes, you are. <laughs> it, 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 there are too many cases, I think, in arguments where because terms aren't defined and distinctions are made, people talk past one another. You really, it's really important to make distinctions and, and, and define your terms when you're trying to, uh, when you're entering into a conversation with somebody who you think doesn't agree with you, because as it turns out, either that you might not agree at all or your disagreement might be, not be as, as significant as you believed. So, do Catholics believe in evolution? Well, the first thing I want to, another thing I want to say before we answer that question is this. As Catholics, what we always strive to follow the truth. Because as with other Christians, we believe that truth is truth no matter what the source. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is whether it's, it's divine revelation, whether it's scriptural, or scriptural, uh, scientific truth, historical truth, whatever, whatever kind of truth it is, it all comes from God. Because he made the world. He revealed himself to us. So if there is something which is true, it's from God. No truths, by definition, can contradict. So as Catholics, 
we always uh, are, are striving to, to acknowledge, to find and acknowledge what the truth is. Now, why do I say that in the context of this discussion? If it were determined beyond the shadow of a doubt that all life on earth, this, I said if at the beginning, remember. If it were determined beyond the shadow of a doubt that all life on earth uh, evolved from single-celled organisms, that would not shake our faith. Because if it were true, it's in accord with our faith. Everything that is, in tr- is, that is true is in accord with our faith. There is no contradiction between faith and reason. There is no contradiction between science and religion, at least Christianity. Okay? There, there, there is not. There are apparent contradictions, but that happens all the time. Again, if truth is truth, if God is the author of all truth, there can be no real contradictions between what the Bible tells us, what the church tells us, whatever, and what scientists, historians, etc., Tell us. Now, many times we might hold to something that's mistaken or we may not understand. And, and that's where the problems can enter into. But in the end, remember that there is no, we, we shouldn't, as Christians, as Catholics, we should never be afraid of the truth. We should proclaim the truth boldly and embrace the truth wherever we find it. Okay? So, if, if all life evolved from um, the primordial slime, as some people put it, that's, that won't sh- shake our faith in the least, okay? There's nothing about that theory that opposes, that contradicts anything we hold by faith. Catholics are free to hold the theory of evolution, the theory that one species evolved from another, and so on. This is a scientific question. This particular thing that I just described is a scientific question, not a religious one. Sometimes they overlap, but in this case, they don't. So again, it, wouldn't, it shouldn't shake your faith at all if it were ever proven. There's an interesting question. Could it ever be proven beyond the shadow of a doubt? Uh, but that's another question. Just if it could be, it wouldn't shatter our faith at all. So to answer the question, do Catholics believe in evolution? We are free to believe in it or not. We are free to believe that the evolutionary process explains the evolution of species or not. Neither position is opposed to our faith. And, and there are many faithful Catholic scientists who believe in the theory of evolution in that sense, okay? Now, if you've been noticing, I've been putting qualifiers in all over the place, in that sense, as I defined it, and so on. Why? Why have I been qualifying the heck out of myself? Because the word is very poorly It's very what? Define it poorly. Perfect, poorly. And if you define the word in a sloppy way, then it's easy to make fun of people for rejecting Right, right. It, it, the word is too, the way it's used is very fluid. It's not used in a consistent manner in our culture, in, in discussion. What, what do I mean? I'd say many times, probably most of the time, when somebody uses the term evolution, no matter where they are on the issue, agree, disagree with it, wherever they are on the issue, the term evolution generally includes much, much more than the simple idea that all species derive from one species or a couple species millennia ago. In many cases, I'd say in most cases, evolution connotes an atheistic, materialistic view of reality. An atheistic, materialistic world view. A way of looking at everything. Not just the origin of life or the evolution of life, of species, but of everything. And when you hear the term Darwinism, 
It's another ism. And each time you hear the word, hear, hear ism, look out, except for Catholicism, then it's okay. Um, <laughs> but usually isms are a sign of trouble. Uh, Darwinism is the view that not just life, but the entire cosmos, everything, is the product of a series of arbitrary, random, purposeless, meaningless events. Okay, a series of random, meaningless, purposeless, arbitrary events, one after the other. In other words, everything that exists, according to Darwinism, everything that exists is the result of, a, of, of innumerable random events, one following upon the other, with no purpose, no, no meaning, no design behind it. What does this mean then? It means there is no inherent purpose or meaning in the universe. As Christians, does this trouble you? Yes. Yes, this most definitely is opposed to the Catholic view of reality, to the Catholic view of creation. Evolution may be true as a theory which explains how life arose and multiplied on the planet Earth, but it cannot be used to explain, or to, it cannot be understood to mean that God was entirely absent from this process. As Christians, Catholics in particular, but really all Christians, we cannot accept that, uh, that definition of evolution. Every Sunday, we confess our belief in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, maker of heaven and earth. Creator, maker. And, and when we say that God is creator, when he is the maker of heaven and earth, that doesn't mean that he was like some brilliant watchmaker or clockmaker who created this vastly intricate universe, wound it up at the Big Bang, and just let it go and run so he could go bowling. Okay? That's not what it means. Okay? He, God just didn't set it back, let it go and, and, and go without purpose or meaning or without uh, any design so he could go off and do whatever he does when he's not running the, running the show. No, creation means that God in his providence, you, study what the catechism says about providence and creation because it's very important in this whole debate. It doesn't seem like it is, but, but it actually is. God in his providence continues God is creator. God continues to hold everything in existence. Right now, I, you, everything, this table, everything, this everything is being maintained in existence by God. When we say God is creator, that doesn't mean, again, this idea of winding up a watch or a clock and letting it go. It means that God is creating everything right now. He is holding in existence above the abyss of nothingness. Creation ex nihilo. If God weren't continually creating right now, we would go back to being nothing. If it were possible for God to think, stop thinking about us or anything, we would cease to exist. Every instant, God is holding us in existence. And especially as men and women, he's not just thinking about us, he's loving us into existence. Every moment, every instant of our lives, which is forever, from the moment of our conception, through natural death, all eternity, God is always thinking, and with humans in particular, loving us into existence. So when we say, I believe, we believe in God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth, remember that means that right now, thanks to him, you can say that, literally. Because if he stopped thinking about you, if he got distracted somehow, oh, that'd be bad. 
we would not be in existence. Okay? So, this also means, because God is our creator, that everything we look at was intended by God. Everything in the universe has purpose, has meaning, is part of a plan. Sometimes we wonder why. I'm from Mosquito. You know what our state bird is, right? I'm from Mosquito. Shoot, I gave it away. Dang it, I'm from Minnesota. Where the state bird is the mosquito. Yeah, I blew that. Anyway, why, why, do, why do mosquitoes exist? Mosquitoes transmit malaria. Why did God make mosquitoes? I don't know, but they're part of the plan. That's a, it, this, it does require some humility to say these things because there are a lot of things that we wonder. Why did he, is this part of the plan, Lord? But it is. Everything has meaning. Everything has purpose. Okay? The only way to deny the meaning, the purpose, etc., of everything in the universe is to go like this. La, 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 la. To, to close your eyes and plug your ears and shout really loud. Because it's there. Just look around. Um, Cardinal Schoenborn, in his book, talks about how, especially within the advent of modern science, as we've discovered, as we've been able to look inside the cell, or, or look at the atom, or look at the expanse of the universe, the wonder and awe, I mean, you were talking about shock and awe, you look at the world around us. And, and it strikes us, the, the intricacy of the world in which we live. We see great, more design now than we ever did before. Okay? So evolution, the, in the limited sense, holds some explanatory power. The problem is some of its advocates, maybe may, many of it, some of the loud advocates, the vocal ones, have gone well beyond the scientific limits of evolution. And, they, and they've um, embraced what I've referred to as Darwinism to make all sorts of theological or philosophical claims erroneously doing so in the name of science. Scientists, most, some, of these, some of these men are, most of them are brilliant men, brilliant scientists. But a brilliant scientist does not necessarily make a brilliant philosopher or theologian. And vice versa is true as well. I'll be the first, I'm not a brilliant scientist. Um, I'm not a brilliant theologian either, for that matter. <laughs> But just because I'm a theologian doesn't mean I'm a scientist. Just because you're a scientist doesn't mean you're a good philosopher. Okay? And I'm going to give you three examples, quotes that, uh, Car that Cardinal Schoenborn gives as well. Uh, on the 100th anniversary of the publication of uh, Darwin's book, the, the, At the Origin of Species, uh, Julian Huxley, this is 1959, gave a speech and said the following. In evolutionary thought... There is no need or room for the supernatural, and no longer any place for it. The earth was not created, it evolved. So did all the animals and plants that inhabit it, including our human selves, mind and soul, as well as brain and body. Religion, too, originated by evolution. The evolutionary man can no longer take refuge in the arms of a divinized father figure whom he has himself created. And then a quote from an English author in 1988, so a little closer to our time. Modern science directly implies that the world is organized according to strictly mechanical principles. There are in nature no principles whatever directed towards goals. There are in nature no principles whatever directed towards goals. There are no gods and no powers can be rationally ascertained which devise or plan anything. So there is, in nature, there are no goals. 
There is nothing that we're moving towards. Teleology is, is the, the idea that everything is moving toward a goal, that there's some plan, some design that's unfolding, um, that everything has a purpose. Um, Darwinism de de denies teleology in, in anything. And then this is another quote from uh, a professor of chemistry at Oxford, 1992. Humanity should accept that science has swept away any justification for belief in the universe having a meaning or purpose. And the fact that the belief in meaning, that the belief in a purpose has survived is thanks only to feelings. So if you're going to be, if you're going to be scientific, wake up. Because there is no meaning or purpose, and it's only because of feelings that we still believe in a purpose in the universe. Okay? That's not science. That's philosophy. And you have to be attentive because this happens all the time. People cross the boundary from one another all the time. And as I said many times, they don't know what the heck they're talking about. Okay? It's hard to do. It's very easy to do. It's very easy. Human beings, it's very easy for us to to, to um, fail to recognize the fact that we've stopped doing, in this case, science, and now we're doing philosophy. It happens all the time, but we need to be attentive to it. The scientific theory of evolution has no bearing on theological questions. It's like doing, saying statements like this is like answering the question, what color is the sky, by saying four. What? That doesn't make any sense. I said, what color is the sky? I know, it's four. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That's use, trying to use Darwinism to, an, to, to address theological or philosophical claims about the nature of reality doesn't make any sense because it doesn't apply. It's, trying, it's trying, like trying to use a triangle to go through the, the uh, round hole. It doesn't work. It's meant to do something else. And we're trying to use the theory of evolution to do something that it's not intended to do. Okay. So Darwinism, and therefore this question, the debate between evolution and creationism, is most definitely relevant to the life of anyone, let alone a Christian. It matters to anybody. There are basic questions, the things that I call the big questions in life, that we all ask or that we all should ask. Where am I going? Where am I from? Is there a meaning in my life? And uh, what is it, if there is one? Why am I here? These are the sort of the questions that we ask, you know, when we're in dorm rooms, slightly inebriated, or, or talking with friends, or, or at the big transitional moments in our life, at the death of a loved one. So, you know, what's this all about? When we step back and sort of try to think a little more deeply about our life, these are the big questions in life. And notice that there are questions of both origin and goal present. Where, 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 where do I come from, and where am I going? Origin and goal. Th those are two of, of the essential questions, these big questions of life. What does that mean? That means that we cannot understand where we're going, what the meaning of life is, if we don't understand where we come from. We have to look back to know how to go forward. We have to be aware of what's behind us in order to know where we're going. And Darwinism is very, very, very clear in its view of where we're coming from and therefore where we're going. I, and you like me, I am nothing more than the product of an unguided, undirected, purposeless, meaningless series of random events. And therefore, I'm not going anywhere. I just am. I'm here for, you know, in America, probably 70, 80 years. 
Uh, nothing in the span of the universe, billions of years old, will be billions of years more than that into the future, presumably. There's, there's no purpose. I'm not going anywhere. I just am, briefly, and then I'm gone. That's, that, those, that, that's, those are the ramifications, the consequences of, uh, of Darwinism uh, for, for our lives. And, I'm, and, and some Darwinists are more honest with themselves and with us about this than others. Anybody ever heard of Bertrand Russell? He was an English philosopher in the early 20th century, wrote in the 1920s, uh, a brilliant logician, many, in many ways actually a very good philosopher. He was also an atheist, a materialist, a Darwinist, and he was very consistent in his belief. Um, he, this is a collection of essays. The, this collection is called Why I Am Not a Christian. And in A Free Man's Worship, he um, speaks about the world which he believes science presents for our belief. So this is one of the greatest Darwinists uh, of the last hundred years, explaining what the world that science, according to him, holds for our belief. He says, amid such a world, if anywhere, our, our ideals, so the, his ideals, atheism, materialism, materialism, and so on, our ideals henceforward must find a home. That man is the product of causes which had no prevision of the end they were achieving. So that the causes had no view, no goal towards which they were aiming. That, his, that man's origin, his growth, his hopes and fears, his loves and his beliefs are but the outcome of accidental collocations of atoms. That no fire, no heroism, no intensity of thought and feeling can preserve an individual life beyond the grave. That all the labors of the ages, all the devotion, all the inspiration, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system. And that the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of the universe in ruins. All these things, if not quite beyond dispute, are yet so nearly certain that no philosophy which reject, rejects them can hope to stand. Only within the scaffolding of these truths, only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair, can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. Yea. Only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. Okay, if that's true, I don't want any part of it. I mean, even if it were true, which it's not, but if it were, who, who, who wants to live that way? None of, we all want meaning. Even if there wasn't any meaning, we'll make it up. We, we need meaning. We want to live as if there is some purpose to our life. And thank God, literally, that there is. Okay, hold on. I'm building up here. Don't do it. Catholicism posits a life and a universe pregnant with meaning, with purpose full of meaning, of purpose. The entire cosmos is moving towards a goal, the second coming of Jesus Christ. The recapitulation, to use a term for the early church fathers, of everything in Jesus Christ. God created me and you, and he desires that I and that you spend all of eternity with him. I know where I came from, and I know what the purpose of my life is. It came from God, and it's meant for God. 
St. Augustine, you created us, you created me, O Lord. Oh, shoot. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. God created us to live in his heart, to be with him forever. Not to serve him, but to love him and to be loved by him. That's, I mean, that's something to live for, not the unyielding whatever despair thing that Russell talks about. So, is this the creation evolution debate relevant? Yes, it most certainly is. Um, and frankly, although we might not agree with creationism, um, I'm happy to work with the creationists to frankly defeat evolution as the theory that I just described. Because, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'll leave that at that. Okay? Now, one quick thing before we end. You know, a big part of this debate is also um, the theory of uh, intelligent design. Many of you have probably heard of intelligent design. Intelligent design is um, a school of thought that's about 20 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old maybe now, uh, it, primarily in the U.S. A number of scholars have started to realize some of the philosophical errors of Darwinism. Um, one of the groundbreaking, maybe... Maybe the first book along these lines is um, called Darwin on Trial by Philip Johnson, who was a law professor at UC Berkeley. And as a lawyer, he, he, he started to see all these gaps in reasoning, these holes in the theory of evolution, in the sense that we've been talking about just now. And he wrote a book, Darwin on Trial, in which he points out some of these. And he sort of, that sort of broke him to open this logjam or set off this chain uh, reaction. All sorts of other scholars, mathematicians, biologists, and so on, began looking again at, at, at uh, evolution from a scientific perspective. Um, and, and another scholar who, uh, likewise, uh, a scientist who has um, published some things uh, in this world, uh, in this school of thought, intelligent design, is Michael Behe, or Behe, I'm not sure which it is. Um, his first book was Darwin's Black Box. He's a molecular biologist, and it, his subtitle is The Biomechanical Challenge to Evolution. And he shows how the, the, the theory of evolution still has some gaps, that it doesn't explain everything, um, how, how certain organisms or parts of organisms could have just developed by this chance, random purpose uh, series of events. And he has a second book which just came out uh, last year, or earlier this year, The Edge of Evolution, The Search for the Limits of Darwinism. Intelligent design is a school that's coming under a lot of criticism, a lot of fire from the Darwinists, but also from uh, scholars who don't hold Darwinism, but they do hold to evolution. So there's a lot of debate about the, 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 uh, the work of the movement, but what it has, the, regardless of whether or not in the end uh, they're onto something, I think they are, but whatever happens in the end, they've done a great job of raising questions, important questions, about evolution in the limited sense and Darwinism in the broader sense. So if this is something that interests you, um, I, I've got these three books in particular I, I would recommend, Cardinal Schoenborn's and then uh, Behe's and actually and, and Johnson's as well. Okay? Thank you very much for your attention. Any questions? The problem with materialism, which Darwinism is one form of, is that materialism says, um, okay, the thoughts in my mind, my brain, are, are simply the, the, the result of a random firing, a particular firing of synapses in my mind. 
So you really can't say that they're true or false any more than you can say that the pattern of leaves on a tree are true or false. They're not true or false, they just are. So my thoughts about anything, because they're just random synapses firing, they just are. They're not true or false, they just are. And yet Russell, who believes this, and other Darwinists, is trying to convince me that I'm wrong and that he's right. But if he were right, there's no such thing as wrong or right. Everybody got that? But the, 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 there, there's, there's an inherent, you're cutting, he cuts legs out from an, you're right, and how, how is he? He's considered a great logician by many people, but yeah, he's completely self-contradictory in some things. René Descartes was a 17th century French philosopher who was famous for coming up with uh, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. Uh, and he was trying to, his motives were very good. Descartes was trying to, okay, proofs for God's existence don't work anymore, all these other things. Well, let's get, if we doubt everything, what can we come down, what, what is the one thing that's undoubtable? Well, the one thing I can say that's undoubtable is I think, therefore I am. You can't doubt that. It, it's inherent, it's got to be true. And then he tried to build everything back up on top of that, and it really didn't work out so well. But that's another story. But yeah, it's similar. But Russell goes beyond it. Yeah, thanks, Descartes. Intelligent design. Do the, the philosophers, theologians, I know there are a wide variety of different backgrounds that they come from, do they have any backing with uh, the, the Greeks and Aristotle and Aquinas? Or is they, are they just working on in, from their own field? Are they on their own, or do they tie into the, the philosophy? The, I, I don't think, I mean, they might have path, what, the ones that I've read, at least. Um, these... Um, Michael Denton, there's another guy, I can't remember his name right now. They're certainly not intimately, as far as I can tell, they're not intimately familiar with uh, Aristotle or Aquinas, medieval, ancient or medieval philosophy. They're, yeah, they're, they're looking at things from, a, they're not looking at things from a newer perspective. They're just sort of coming to things freshly, really unaware of the work that's, the philosophical work, the groundwork that's been laid in the past already. Aristotle and Aquinas did the same thing already in proving governance or intelligence, did they not? Yeah, 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 right, yeah, as, especially as Christians, logos, that Jesus Christ, the word of God, there is design, there is meaning, purpose inherent within, and Aristotle before that is the forerunner. Uh, but they're, they're, not com they're trying to come at it not so much from a philosophical or theological perspective as trying to see how science reveals that. And that's probably one reason they're not as familiar with those antecedents. Any other questions or comments? I have a comment. Um, there's a movie out by Ben Stein called Expelled that's very good about this whole topic, and I was just enthralled after watching it. It's more of a Jewish perspective than a Catholic perspective, but all about how, it, how the atheists are a lot of Darwinists and things, so I didn't know if you had heard about that, yeah. but it's a very good movie. I have movie. heard about it. I, I haven't seen it myself. I know pe other people have seen it as well. Ben Stein... What's Ben Stein most famous for? Bueller. He's that actor, but he's also, he, he, he's a finance guy. I mean, he's written books on, on personal finance and investing, and he's did this documentary, a really witty, from what I can hear, witty documentary on, um, uh, on this whole intelligent design movement and how the Darwinists are trying to do everything they can to keep from it being, even given a hearing. Now, as I I tend to think that it's, it, they're onto something, but they might, they might be wrong, but the only way you know if they're right or wrong is by hearing them out. But we don't want to do that because, you know, that might mean there's a God or something. So, I mean, that, yeah. Any other questions, sir? Patrick. Uh, right here. To 
to answer your question about if these guys are going to and building upon the ideas of philosophers, they're actually, a lot of them are trying not to because that's where Darwin went, Darwinism goes wrong is they go back to early philosophers and state based upon the errors of humanism and things like that. We build upon that by science and therefore we created a new religion. Whereas the intelligent design says we're going to approach this from a very scientific standpoint. And one thing that they have found out is the whole argument that nature is not progressing to anything is self-defeating to Darwinism because Darwinism itself says that the reason why we adapt and change is so that we can survive longer and we can survive in better environments. And so the intelligent design people break that down and say, well, scientifically, that doesn't work then. You can't say that we are not progressing for any purpose and all of a sudden say that Darwinism says we change to live for a longer pride, you know, for a longer pride or for in different environments. So they are, most of them are purposely staying away from some of the early uh, philosophical problems because they're fearing that they're gonna fall into that same error. Whereas if I start talking about philosophy outside my realm of knowledge, then I'm no better than the Darwinist. If I stay true to my science and what is proven is that there's intelligent design, then that can't be debated. Whereas if I start playing philosopher, then people will start to accuse me of the same problem as we've had before. Exactly. That's where we want them to stay. Any other questions or comments? And if you don't want to ask them publicly, I'll be around to answer them privately. Thank you for your attention. Again, take the food, please. Um, and uh, next month, October 10th, I think is the date. Look for it in the Bishop's Bulletin and the Your Parish Bulletins as well. Thanks for coming, and have a great night.